John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And joining us is Larry Sohn from the Seattle Times. And so, Larry, I know you got to be excited about so many things. But, of course, how excited are you now that the baseball playoffs are going? We've already got three teams, including the Astros, that have advanced to the next round. And today we're going to have you know more because we've got some National League teams that are going to be able to clinch. And we get to be game three of the one remaining American League. How, how, what, how do you kind of view the way this is going to be as far as uh, baseball? <laughs> Well, for one thing, John, just to get to this point is a yeah. victory for baseball because, you know, when the when the Marlins had their outbreak and almost 20 players tested positive, I had, you know, major doubts about whether this was going to reach an end. And I think it's credit to everybody that has gotten this far. But yesterday was just a, I mean, for a baseball fan, you can't do much better. I don't think there's ever been, well, I know there's never been eight playoff games in, in one day. And it was just a, a festival of baseball. I watched as much as I could in between having to work. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant about the expanded playoffs, but uh, I, I don't like the fact that half, more than half the league gets into the postseason. But this year, I think any, it's kind of an anything goes uh, season. So um, I'm just enjoying the the uh, all the ball. Yeah, no doubt. That's the the fun part about it because it is uh, kind of fun. Uh, uh, how, how angry do you think teams around the league are to see that the Astros advance? <laughs> Yeah, I know. This uh, they here they finish under 500, 29 and 31 and and just sweep sweep out the the Twins who have now lost 18 consecutive postseason games and uh, somebody posted on Twitter yesterday, would you rather have your team lose 18 straight postseason games or would you rather have them be out of the postseason for 19 years, which is the Mariners' situation. Uh, you know, it's an interesting question. At least if you don't get there, you don't have to suffer the heartache of, uh, of getting knocked out. But to your original point, yeah, uh, I think there's, you know, everybody is angry still, players I know, at the Astros, and uh, somebody's going to have to stop them or, you know, <laughs> there's going to be a lot more resentment if they keep advancing. How do you look at the uh, looking back at the Mariners season because they ended up being two games out of the playoffs they won 27 and 33 pretty much I think surprising everybody. Yeah, you know, you can look at it two ways, John. I mean, it was two months and they were still under 500 uh and who knows what would have happened over the final 100 games, but I I think you do have to acknowledge that they turned things around after a really horrible start and played above 500 over the last month. So there is some promise there for, for next year. The downside is that the development that was so key to their rebuilding program was, was really halted in a lot of uh, instances because of the fact that there was no minor league season and their top prospects, really all they had was the alternate site in Tacoma where they played, you know, inter-squad games that weren't really games. So you just have to wonder how much that set back the the progress of guys like Kellenic and and Gilbert and and you know Julio Rodriguez who didn't play at all because of a hand injury and Cal Raleigh the catcher and guys like that who normally would have had a full minor league season and they would be ready to contend for next year in some cases and now you just wonder but uh, you know I think in in if you take it in total, it was a it was a positive season, in that they did stay in contention and they did uh, get progress from guys like uh, 
Justice Sheffield and especially Kyle Lewis. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, how where, where would you put them now as far as when they can be playoff contention time? You know, it, it, a lot depends on whether they increase or if they keep the the expanded playoffs with with more than half the league making it eight teams out of 15 in the American league. And the, the talk in the industry is they want to keep that, you know, you, you all you have to do is finish 500 or near 500 as the, as the Astros showed to be a postseason team. And the Mariners aren't that far from that. So I don't see any reason why they couldn't be a contender for a playoff spot in a, in an expanded format. Um, you know, I, I, I think, they they have to go out and augment their bullpen in free agency, and I think they will. And they have to go out and get a starting pitcher, at least one, to to augment their rotation. Uh, but you know, I think there's a shot for them to con- contend, just because almost everybody's a contender in a uh, an expanded format playoff you, format. Yeah, now, as far as contending for a division title, I don't think they're ready for that yet. Because you've been a columnist for such a long period of time covering all sports, both football, baseball, you name it, it's like uh, when you hear the criticism of a team that's 3-0, and that's just rampant. <laughs> it's like uh, fire the defensive coordinator. You've got to get new defensive players. And, of course, uh, you and me, we also studied the league. And, you know, this is a league right now that's putting up, uh, because of the pandemic, no training camp, uh, more numbers than we've ever seen. I know Andrew Siciliano ended up – Put, figuring out this is the most offense we've seen since the 1961 AFL. And so it's like, uh, and you, you go around and you say, well, Seattle's defense stinks. Okay, well, Green Bay's defense stinks. They're giving up 28.3 points a game. you got uh, Tennessee, which is supposedly a good team. You know, they got Jadevian Clowney. They're giving up, uh, you know, 20, 27, 28 points a game. It's like, uh, are people missing the boat that right now this is the NFL? The idea changed more than 20 years ago that defense wins championships. No, quarterbacks win championships. And right now, the quarterbacks have so much control. Yeah, no, you make a great point. It's uh, you, you have to take it in the context of the times. And the other factor that I wasn't really aware of until I read a couple of articles yesterday was the was the holding calls mm-hmm. that are down like 57%. Uh, I guess there's a sort of a decision made that they're going to be more lax on that, which which of course uh, affects the, the pass rush as, as well. So, um, you know, even with all that context, the the, the the Seahawks obviously need to improve their defense. But uh, you, you know, you're right. They, you know, they are winning. They are three and zero. They do have the quarterback that can overcome those mistakes, and uh, and so I, I think you have to take all that in consideration. But I think you'd agree too that there are areas that they they need to shore up. Absolutely, but then that's a league wide thing. I mean, it's like they're sitting there like most teams, and of course they just went through a three game stretch <clears throat> where they uh, faced uh, you know Matt Ryan, uh, who's scoring thirty points a game. You know they faced uh, Cam Newton. He's getting like 28, 29 points a game, and they faced uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, all the average starting quarter a team in the NFC is averaging 27.3 points a game. Yeah, it's crazy, and I think that's the the NFL believes that's what fans want to see, and and I think they're right to a large extent. But but fans also want to see their own team oh, yeah. stop somebody. So, uh, and I I. I 
do. I mean, they do have some injuries now that are going to make it hard. Uh, to, but they are. I think you know this is a week. I think where they're not. They're facing a guy who can get really hot in, in Fitzpatrick, but not up to the caliber of the three guys that you mentioned. So uh, I, I would be surprised if there wasn't some improvement. Uh, in the Miami game. Oh yeah, no, there no, there has to be because again, if it's not, then I'll, I'll jump on the criticizing bandwagon because again, it's like, uh, <coughs> you know, the teams had, you know, the the one of the rightful complaints last year was the team didn't have leads going into the second half for the most part and had to every win every game close. Now this team's had double digit leads in three consecutive games and it's just a matter of holding on and that's what everybody's doing in this league. Yeah, right. And it's important to note that they have held on. They've made two stops at the end of the last two games, you know, when they had to, to win the game. Uh, you know, they stopped Newton and they intercepted the Prescott pass when it looked kind of dire at the end there. So, uh, you know, it, it, we'd be having a much different conversation if they had lost those two games and were one and two going into the Miami game. And they very well easily could have lost both of those games. They They went right down to the basically the last play mm-hmm. no doubt so that uh, is going to be kind of fun to see and of course then next week is going to be sunday night football with a struggling kirk cousins in there what teams kind of disappointed you the most so far league-wide uh around the league yeah yeah i, I i'd say the vikings probably tops on the list i i didn't see the I, I certainly, I, I thought they were a contender, at least for a playoff spot. And here, you know, here they sit where they are. Uh, and I thought maybe the the uh, Washington football team was ready to turn a corner, but that was probably naive and foolish of me. <laughs> so it looks like they're as, as bad as ever. Oh, yeah, no, they look pretty bad. And, boy, I tell you what, the quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, is really struggling to three picks last week. Larry, uh, great stuff. And, of course, we read you here at the Seattle Times. And, of course, uh, anything else big you're working on? Uh, well, I'm going to jump on the Storm bandwagon there you uh, go. this week, John. I'm going to uh, be writing about them for tomorrow and covering from afar their uh, their playoffs. Great. Larry Stone, thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen to the show on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go ahead and get the report card going. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. Today we look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, we take the anecdotes, we take the social media comments, we take the quotes and, you know, get the voices out there and also try to get the grades out. So, uh, DJ Wilder, what do we have? All right, well, first up, John, the Houston Astros swept the Minnesota Twins yesterday. And Carlos Correa, shortstop for the Houston Astros, has a message for the haters. I know a lot of people are mad. I know a lot of people don't want to see us here, but what are they going to say now? You know, we're a solid team. We play great baseball. We want a series on the road in Minnesota. So what are they going to say now? What do they say now, John? What's your grade? Uh, F. Because <laughs> when you hear comments like that, you just got to hate them. What? They take on a Minnesota team that's lost, what, 18 consecutive playoff games? Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Uh, thirteen so, of them to the Yankees, by yeah, the way. Thirteen of them to the Yankees. And so it's like, okay, so uh you you and they they were a five hundred team basically. 
they underachieved. I mean, this is a franchise that you would think uh, is is going back. They were a 500 team. I mean, the only reason that they're in the playoffs is the fact that they took 16 playoff teams. And so it's like he's going to be bragging about this. I mean, I hope they get swept because I think that, uh, you know, they're pompous. You know, they got away with uh, cheating worse than we've seen maybe in any other sport. I mean, again, Astros go down. Yeah, I gotta give it an F, John, because uh, especially when he's like, "Well, what do they say now?" Well, we're gonna—you still cheated. That's what yeah. we're gonna say. <laughs> you yeah. still—you still cheated. It doesn't—it doesn't erase the fact. And uh, you know, it's just another postseason upset, you know, or postseason blunder by the Twins. But like, congratulations—you beat the Twins. Now you're, pro- you're gonna have to play the winner of the White Sox and the A's. The A's, who is a po- is a division rival of yours, if they if they end up winning, it's gonna be a tough matchup for you. And again, yeah, you're. It, it became very clear that the trash cans were very helpful for mm-hmm. you this season, especially with how George Springer was hitting, especially in the first 30 games. It, it was pretty helpful for you guys. So saying like, oh, what are they going to say now? What are they going to say now? Well, you still cheated. So yeah. sorry, F. You still cheated and nobody likes you. So it's like, okay, good. <laughs> Thank you, John. No one likes them. Thank you. Yes. All right. So next story here. Aaron Rodgers is on a podcast here earlier this week, and he was asked if he has ever pretended if the audio in his helmet during the play calls ever goes out so he can call his own plays. And here's his response. Do you ever, you ever call off uh, or wave off any calls coming in from the sidelines in your helmet or uh, another move that I know defensive guys have used in the past. You could say your, your speaker cut out and so you can call what you want. Have you ever done that? (laughs) I've done that a ton of times. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't hear it. Can't hear it. What do you think? I have done that a fair amount. Every now and then it's real. You know, I can't believe it. And, and LaFleur thought I was messing around last year. The helmet went out three times probably. And he could not believe it. And the second time it went out, he thought I was messing with him. Then I faked one in between the second and the third time. I did the, oh, I can't. And then he was like, oh, my God. You could just see him just freaking out on the sidelines. And then I was laughing. I was pointing at him. like, oh, you John, Aaron Rodgers kind of having some fun with Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Matt LaFleur, what grade do you give him? I give him an A+. Plus. Yeah, because I go back two years ago. I'm doing the sidelines, uh, the Packers sidelines for the broadcast against with the with the Seahawks. And so Aaron comes over to me uh, right about oh, three, four minutes into the third quarter just to say, hi, how you been? Good to see you. Everything going good with the family and all that stuff. You know, just making some small talk. And, you know, then I watch him go out to the field. And then, uh, you know, because he was at that time really – uh, spatting with uh, Mike Mike McCarthy, and they weren't getting along very well. And I could just look, and he did exactly what he uh, did with Lafleur: is that he either didn't hear something and changed the play, because I think it was supposed to be, it looked like it was going to be a running play. And so he then throws the ball, oh, about 40 yards downfield to the tight end on uh, right near the right sidelines and gets one of the best passes I saw all year. And so, and that was one you can see that's like, okay, Mike, Hey, take this because I don't like that call. I'm not going to do it. And he didn't, and he gets the big play. And so uh, I'm going to give him an a on this because he, all he did was confirm some of the things that, uh, you know, happen in games, particularly for a strong willed quarterback like himself, a hall of fame quarterback. So that was, that's a definite a. 
Yeah, I'm going to give him a B plus here. I love that Aaron Rodgers is able to have some fun, especially because, you know, a lot of the perception about Aaron Rodgers is that he's just kind of rude, you know, and everything. He's way too serious. But I'm glad he's been able to have fun with um, his kind of new head coach, Matt LaFleur. I, I only don't give an A just because I'm thinking of, like, the head coach, Matt LaFleur, just being like, wait, is he is he serious this time or is he not? Like, is he joking? I don't know. And then he's, you know, he's probably freaking out like, oh, my gosh, like he can't hear my plays or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I have to give it a B plus. But I really like that Aaron Rodgers is able to have some fun with Matt LaFleur, especially because there's a lot of – there was a lot of noise last season that him and Matt LaFord didn't get along. And right now it's looking like they are on the same page for sure. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, because he's scoring 40.7 points a game, which is uh, as good as you can get. And, you know, even though Russell Wilson was the player of the month, rightfully so, in September, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is not too far behind. And I guess the good news for Seattle is that, uh, you know, in that non-common game that's remaining, they've already played and beat Atlanta, and they play Minnesota and Kirk Cousins, who they've had success against. But in the end, it's like uh, they're not playing Aaron Rodgers. That game goes to San Francisco. Do you think a lot of quarterbacks actually do it on purpose to pretend that the audio in their helmet goes out during play calls? No, you have to, let's put it this way. You have to be almost a Hall of Fame type quarterback who's been around forever to be able to get away with that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Brady has done it. You know, Russell Wilson uh, doesn't need to do it because now with his relationship with Brian Schottenheimer, you know, he can, he, he can adjust and do the things that he wants to do, uh, based on what he sees on the field. So that's good. But no, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I, I can guarantee Ben Roethlisberger's done it. Oh, for sure. And then probably like Peyton Manning in the past, of course. Peyton Manning always audibling and all that stuff. So, yeah, definitely. All right. So next story here, Chris Mack, who is the head coach for Louisville basketball, him and John Calipari, who, of course, is the head coach for Kentucky basketball, Louisville and Kentucky, historical rivals, but they haven't played Louisville and Kentucky themselves haven't played each other in a really long time and it was a game that was always an annual game it was always a non-conference game a historical rivalry not just in college basketball but in all of sports and Chris Mack and John Calipari have just had some difficulties getting the game uh, another matchup between these two storied programs between each other just scheduled and Chris Mack kind of takes a little bit of a fun jab here at John Calipari let's take a listen Cards fans your fearless leader Coach Mack I keep getting asked Coach are we playing the game? Are you scared? Are you a chicken? You won't play Kentucky? As for the UK series, here's the thing. I want to do what's most convenient for John and his program. You do believe that, right? That I want to do what's best for John? Never mind the fact that we had a December 12th mutually agreed upon date to play the game. And never mind the fact that they backed out of the 12th because they were returning from London on December 6th after playing Michigan. John, what grade do you give Chris Mack here for taking a playful jab at John Calipari? These guys are kind of friends, yeah. but like, yeah. what grade do you give I him? I give him a B. I mean, because he, you know, it's like it's it's a rivalry. You can tell is a game of major interest, which you know, it's like uh, you can go back and forth. And so, no, I I give him a B on this. Yeah, I got to give him an A minus. I love when we see these rival coaches. They know the game itself is a rivalry, but they don't hate each other. Now, of course, if they hate each other, I don't mind that either. But like you look at a rivalry like Duke and North Carolina. Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski are best friends. And so that's always good to see, and it's awesome to see. Chris Mack, this is his third year Louisville. Calipari, of course, has been Kentucky forever. So it's really cool to see these two guys kind of go back and forth a little bit, all for fun, of course. And hopefully this game gets rescheduled because Louisville and Kentucky, it's always an awesome matchup to watch no matter 
how good the teams might end up being come March, it's always an awesome matchup to see because this rivalry needs to be played every year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Maybe, oh, sorry, I was about to say all the time we got for grades. Hey, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. You can text us at 710-710. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line and take your text questions. We're taking them at 710-710. So, DJ, what do we have? From the 425, why have there been fewer holding penalties being called in 2020? Well, because what happened is the d- directive coming down from the league is that, uh, you know, they want to have to make obvious calls. And so uh, because, you know, you have officials right now, you know, you go week to week just making sure that uh, they're going to be okay with the virus and not get the virus and so far so good. Uh, and, you know, they just, you know, I think that they, they want to try to simplify things, something that's probably needed to be done for several years. And so they, they want to the players to make the plays as opposed to the officials to make the plays. And, you know, so far it leads to a higher scoring. And I know I've been charting that for many, many years. The officials, that call, that's why I hated to see Gene Steratore retire because he always had one of the fewest number of penalties, fewest number of holding penalties. And so you would have higher scoring, better games. From the three six, so John, what do you predict Seahawks record against the NFC West to be? Uh, I think they can go four and two. You know, particularly if they can squeeze out a you know win, I mean, because you know we don't know how long the San Francisco injury bug is going to continue, and if it continues, that could be a good. But I think they can go four and two, and if they can do that, then you know with their division schedule, non-division schedule, then they'd have a chance to win maybe twelve games, maybe possibly thirteen. That's a one seed right there, probably. Oh yeah, no doubt. From the two five three, hello, professor. Whatever happened with Justin Britt? Uh, nothing. Uh, they had him in for a visit. He went to Green Bay for a visit. He hasn't signed. So you wonder. And again, there's there's so many players on the street. It's 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 more difficult right now for you know veterans that are out there <clears throat> to be able to come in because you know number one you have to accept that the, the offers are going to be you know pretty close to the minimum salary and that's kind of resentful for the players. They don't they don't necessarily like that. And then of course if you come in like a uh, Demarius Randall, I mean you only have six spots as far as the practice squad for veterans who've been in the league for some time from the 206 are we ever going to hear anything about a fine for tristan hill yeah you'll find out in the next 24 hours usually what they do they'll uh, send the uh, letter the email the guy and his agent on wednesday or thursday and then they'll come back on the, the legal start getting the word out to the media as far as where some of those fines are or if somebody's being fined from the 253 what is the status for rasheem green on sunday Mm, he's on injured reserve, so he's not going to be able to play. He won't be able to make the trip, so he's here going to be here in Seattle. All right, let's see here. From the 360, will Earl Thomas sign anywhere before the season ends? Oh, you would think so, yeah. I mean, I think it's one where it's like, okay, just kind of wait and see. I mean, he went to Houston. You know, they, they were going to give him the COVID test and everything else, and they decided because what happened is that they had two positive tests on Sunday morning for players, but then they found out those were false positives, <clears throat> and so they had a bunch of safeties come in, and they basically sent them all back home. From the 253, if Dan Quinn gets fired, could you see him coming to Seattle for a consultant role? 
Uh, not this year, but I can see something for because I, I I don't envision them firing him <clears throat> during the season. That's just not uh, Arthur Blank. So <clears throat> he'll be there, but then you know maybe next year he can be a consideration to help out the staff. From the four two five, what is Earl Thomas worth on a one year deal in twenty twenty? Um, in twenty twenty, uh, right now it's probably in that two million dollars or less uh, range. From the 406, what's the status of Snacks Harrison right now in contract talks? Uh, he's coming in on over the weekend. So I think there's a very good chance that the fact that he's picked Seattle over Green Bay, Cincinnati, and Chicago, <clears throat> that uh, he'll probably, you know, as long as he's in good shape and passes the COVID test, I would imagine if the numbers are right, he'll sign. From the 253, could the Ravens look to trade Matthew Judon? No. No, they need they need the pass rush, and so uh, you know they uh, and again right now to trade a franchise type player at that number is very difficult to do. But they need Matthew Judon to keep that defense good. They did just sign Marlon Humphrey to a huge contract. Yeah. Are they going to have the space? I guess right now with Lamar Jackson. You know, they're kind of in that really awesome mm-hmm. phase that Russell Wilson was in in the Seahawks. Like they could probably afford both. Correct. Uh, yeah, well, I don't, I don't think they can get Jude into a contract, but actually you find a way to get uh, Lamar Jackson because, again, he's your quarterback, and they can start talking next year as far as that goes. And so he'll be next year's big signing. You know, the big thing now, and that's why I'm always, you know, I'm always uh, hesitant to make any opinions on, you know, the way salaries are until you see the contract because, you know, there's two things going on on the contracts. For example, uh, like, for example, when you go back and you look at Patrick Mahomes, really he's not getting any extra money the first two years years of the deal and really the first five years it's really a 39.8 million dollar contract and the whole contract's 39.8 but what they did is they broke it up so it's like okay we'll get you close to 40 million in the first half and 50 million in the second half so like for example when you talk Shaquille Griffin you know if he does a conventional four-year deal it's going to be for less but I would, that's why I'm looking to see the Humphrey deal to see if they just put more in 2022 and backloaded it because again that's when the salary cap goes up big time. From the 253, John, do you think the clowny situation in the offseason prevented the Seahawks from signing someone like Everson Griffin? Uh, no, I think that they took the p- position that uh, they didn't want to pay him six million bucks, and so uh, you know because he ended up getting a one-year six million dollar deal to go to Dallas, and uh, you know I think that they had some reservations about him, particularly with some of the off-the-field things that he had when he had the mental problems a couple years ago. So I think that uh, there was a number that uh, they that was higher than they want to go. From the three three six zero, we get this question every week, but it's a good question. What's the word on Josh Gordon, John? Nothing. I mean, no, no word whatsoever. So that's probably not a good sign because you know, like in the case we're almost where Randy Gregory is going to be able to start to practice here, and he's been on the same type of suspension, or a little bit different than uh, you know Josh because Josh also had the PED to go with the drug suspension. So uh, no, no word. They need a. Say something, right? Right, John? They need to say something. Yeah. Um, From the 253, if the Jets get the number one pick, what do they do with Sam Darnold? Uh, Trade him. I think that's pretty simple. I mean, because again, they'll uh, they'll take the position that uh, okay, we've got the number one pick, we got Trevor Lawrence, uh, we'll have, probably have a new coach, and so they'll try to coach him up like that, and then uh, I'd say trade him. I gotta agree with you, John. I know we were just talking about this yesterday. How. You know, Sam Darnold makes some good throws, and he's yeah. just in a bad situation. But I would still rather have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, I think, over Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, from the two five three, hey John, do you have a score prediction yet for Seahawks Dolphins? Mm, I think it can be somewhere in that uh, twenty seven to ten, twenty seven to thirteen range. Seahawks. 
from the 253. Are the Lakers going to sweep the Heat in the NBA Finals? I think so now particularly with the injury situation for the Heat, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, they're on a roll. I mean, you got you know, 30 points combined almost each game for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So I think, you know, I thought initially it was going to be five or six. Now I think it can be four. Yeah, injuries, bad time for injuries for yeah. the Heat right now. From the 4-2-5, could DJ Dallas be the number two or number three this Sunday if Chris Carson can't go? No, again, Travis Homer would be the number two because you have Carlos Hyde. But then, you know, DJ would be number three. All right, let's see here from the three six zero. John, who will be the Seahawks sack leader at the end of the year? Hmm, I'd say uh, probably. Well, if he can get back on the field with that groin injury, maybe he's going to be Jamal Adams because uh, you know <clears throat> he's he can have at least six, seven sacks. But I think ultimately maybe it's going to be Benson Mayoa. Because again, you know, he's been getting good pressure on the quarterback. You know, and I, I think that uh, you know, once things start to ease up as far as the quarterbacks are playing, which starts this week, I think he he has a good chance to maybe get eight or nine. John, with the expectation of Benson Mayo, has he been better than you expected, or about as well? Uh, has he played as well as you expected? What do you What do you yeah, think, think of he's him so far? As well as expected, yeah. I think maybe a little bit better. Now, again, it doesn't show in the numbers, and sometimes the sack numbers go. But I mean, you can see he gets pressure on the quarterback, and you can see it gets better each week. So, no, I think that uh, he's been a little bit better than I expected. Yeah, he's constantly in the back of it. He's got yeah. a lot of that quick twitch that Dave Wyman always talks about. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the 253, what Dolphins players should the Seahawks be most concerned about this week? Hmm. Good question, because, again, it's not like they'd have – I mean, you know, certainly you would look to think it could be the cornerbacks because they have the two highest-paid cornerbacks in the league, but they're not sure right now where, where it goes with Xavier Howard, Xavier Howard, you know, because he's banged up, and then uh, you get Achilles injury with Byron Jones. But I'd say right now those are two of their best players. What about someone like Devontae Parker in case, like, if, if Quentin Dunbar can't go, could Devontae Parker be someone that has a big game against them? Well, it could. I mean, it, it depends. You know, again, is it going to be a numbers game where, you know, they're, they're trailing and they're just going to keep throwing? But, you know, the more they throw, the more they're going to have interceptions, too. From the 206, what is the likelihood of Demarius Randall playing this Sunday? Mm, I'd say there's a chance because, again, you know, we'll have to see where it goes today and tomorrow with Lano Hill with the back and uh, Jamal Adams. I'm not confident he's going to be able to play. So all of a sudden, if you're talking about a young Ryan Neal going out there, it's almost uh, better just to have a Randall. But, of course, he's only going to have a couple days to come in here and study things. But, uh, you know, there's a chance that he's going to be on the active roster. And from the 206, do the Dolphins have a pass rusher the Seahawks might want to trade for? No. That's one of their weaknesses right now. They just don't have much of a pass rush. So, uh, you know, they're not good stopping the run, and they don't have much of a pass rush. So that's a, not a good combination. Yeah, Emmanuel Ogba has yeah. not been good for them so no, far. No. He, and he, he was really good with the Chiefs. Now, of course, he was rushing with Chris Jones, so that probably helps a little bit. Well, Chris Jones and Frank Clark. And Frank Clark, too. Yes, yeah. that, that really helps. Chris Jones and Frank Clark are not on the Miami Dolphins defensive line. Nope. No, definitely not. All right, that's all the time we got for Tex. All right, so we're coming back now with our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby, John Clayton Show, 7. 10 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. It's time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so, Dave, I know, how much did you enjoy yesterday with eight baseball games and three uh, American League teams that were able to clinch? 
Uh, eight baseball games was fun, John. It was, uh, like I said to you yesterday, I think that um, baseball is going to have a hard time walking away from these extra playoffs, uh, even though I don't think that there's going to be a lot of purists that are for them. I think it's fun. I think, uh, you know, having having a bracket sort of philosophy, what they showed like like a Sweet 16 bracket, which was pounding on all the postgame shows yesterday, was good. And, and the baseball has been good so far, so I like it. Did you like the Astros advancing, which I think most people didn't? Of course not. Um, you know, I, I feel bad for the Twins. It's incredible. 17, 18 straight losses, uh, most of them to the Yankees. But, you know, the Astros are, are a talented team that didn't play particularly well this year. The guy I like the most, you know, I'm a little torn because I'm a huge Dusty Baker fan, and I really like Dusty Baker. I've had a chance to get to know him a little bit and, I think he's done a fantastic job there. That having been said, I understand why why there's the hostility towards the Astros. And uh, the fact of the matter is they, they played better in Minnesota, period. And uh, they're going to be a team that's got some confidence because of their postseason success. Yeah, no doubt. And so <clears throat> they did have themselves a good time. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, and But, of course, you know, it's like uh, Carlos Correa didn't really help things out by basically saying, hey, I know there's a lot of haters out there, but what are you going to say now? And, of course, you know, they're, so what are you going to say? There were five. We hate you. Huh? What's that? <laughs> That's what we're going to say. We hate you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not, it's going unabated. I thought, you know, that was an interesting game. Certainly uh, Bob Melvin was set up to be uh, – to be a serious goat yesterday going with his closer in the eighth inning and, and he couldn't get through the ninth, but you know, he got bailed out. So the A's are playing for their playoff lives tonight. They're still alive. Tampa looks really good. Very, very tough to beat, I think. Um, so it was, uh, it was an interesting, interesting day of, of having that many games. I think it's the only day we're going to have that many games. Yeah, no doubt. So what, what do you look forward to today? Well, obviously game three of, uh, of, of the two, the, the series that are going on. I mean, you know, it's, uh, uh, well, excuse me, the, the Atlanta game right now, the Braves are trying to clinch over the Reds, and they're up one nothing in the eighth, so they're, they're trying to knock out that series. But you got two elimination games. You've got the, the A's and, and the White Sox going at noon, and you got the Cardinals and the Padres going uh, at, at 4 o'clock, you know, and that, that, that's actually game two, forgive me. So you just have the one game that's tied today, because then you got the Brewers and the Dodgers tonight, which is also a 1-0 game with Clayton Kershaw trying to win it. So... You got uh, you got uh, elimination baseball going on at twelve o'clock, and otherwise three interesting National League games. Mm-hmm, no doubt, Marlins so. Cubs game, of course, is already postponed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's that's interesting. So it's like, a, but it's going to be fun. But uh, it makes it good time. But uh, hockey's over. Uh, NBA playoffs started last night, and now with the injury situation for the Heat, you almost have to think where I thought it'd be the Lakers in five or six. This very well could be a sweep. Well, if those guys are out, you know, you're right. I mean, it very well could be. Uh, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't read too much into a one-game loss for a team like the Heat, who was probably excited to just be there at the very beginning. But, you know, suffering the injuries that they had, and Jimmy Butler was hobbling a little bit as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be very, very tough on them. No, and it's like, uh, and again, is it good to see uh, for the NBA to have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, uh, you know, in this role? I think so. Well, sure, uh, and I, I'm not so sure what a draw yet Anthony Davis is, but LeBron is, is it's huge to have him in this role, and you know he's a he's he's in the legacy establishing business now. He's you know he's he's in the, it's just a conversation with Michael Jordan now, who's the best of all time, and and LeBron is making a pretty compelling case when you consider this is 17th season, he's still knocking off triple doubles, and 
is the best player on the floor and is about to, we'll see, knock on wood, uh, from his standpoint, lead his third team to an NBA championship, which is something that Jordan never did. So, um, you know, LeBron is, is after cementing his legacy right now. Anthony Davis, is, is that was his first game in the finals, as a matter of fact, yesterday. So he's not quite at the reputation level LeBron is, but this, this makes it very difficult if the Lakers win this series and LeBron is MVP to say that anyone else is the best player of all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, I guess it's, that's the interesting thing because, you know, we go back far enough that, uh, you know, we're, we're always going to be siding with Michael Jordan. But, uh, you know, sure. this generation, you know, you almost have to side with LeBron James. Well, I think the thing is, you know, when you look at this generation versus last generation uh, or previous generations, you talk, talk about the game itself and the way it's played. Um, guys like Steph Curry, James Harden, uh, the real slight scores wouldn't have a chance in, in the old NBA. Uh, in the NBA of the 80s and the 90s, of, of Jordan, of, of Gary Payton, et cetera. They just would get the tar beaten out of them. So, I mean, you, you would not see those guys have the success they're having. You, you know, you see uh, guys driving with impunity. There's very little defense played in the middle of the lane these, these days. I mean, that, that was not the case back in those days. The Jordan rules were all about beating Michael Jordan up, and the Knicks took that seriously. Uh, so, you know, Jordan would be insane in this era. Mm-hmm. And that having been said, LeBron James would have excelled in the Jordan era. He, he's one player I have absolutely no doubt about it. You know, there are a few others, but but he's one who would have been just as good during that period of time. So, you know, he's, he's, he's transcendent, and that's what Jordan was, and that's what LeBron is. Guys who would be great in absolutely any era, Jordan would, would thrive in this era. And I believe LeBron is one of the few guys who would be just fine in that rough-and-tumble era of yore. Yeah, of course, I mean, that's going to be the fun thing, because I think Golden State, with, with this bad season and getting a high draft choice, whether they trade it or whatever, I have to think that they bounce back next year and challenge. Sure, I would, I, would, I would have to agree with you. Uh, the, the, you know, well, next year is going to be an interesting year with, with uh, Kevin Durant coming back and, and, and a few other guys as well. But, yes, I would, I would definitely uh, agree with you that assuming Thompson and Curry come back and, and they add a piece or two more and, and maybe it will be a draft pick, uh, there's nothing wrong with using that pick. Um, I, I would expect the Warriors to immediately contend next year. Yeah, and I think that's that's going to be fun for the league and you know fun for everybody else. But uh, yeah, it's just it's you know interesting basketball and hey, listen, basketball and hockey made it through and uh, baseball is doing the same. Baseball is, is staggered a little bit, but is making it through. And now it's up to football to make it through. Which uh, even with the one the one story, they're they're on the on the path of doing. I think. Yeah, no, I think it looks uh, pretty encouraging. Uh, what's your thought about the way things have been handled for the Tennessee Titans? Because you know they were going to play the game on Monday, but then today they find out another player and another front office person or a coach ends up getting a positive test. And so the only thing that you have to do is say, okay, we'll do it in a couple weeks. Right. I mean, then like like we've talked about the NBA, the NFL with the with the bye week has got flexibility for for each team to have a circumstance like that. It gets very complicated if a lot of teams get it. But it's certainly uh, something the league can handle in, in their current structure. If just it's uh, one team here, one team there that gets it, and that, that's obviously the big question. It's why the NBA, uh, the NBA, the NFL is quite, quite properly, I think, really cracked the whip on on guys and letting them know, look, we cannot have this. We simply cannot have it, and and you will pay a prohibitive price if you if you make any changes out, out of out of the norms that we're trying to do because. You know the league does not have the the same flexibility. I mean, you can't you can't do what the Miami Miami Marlins did, which is play or the Cardinals play like eight or nine straight double headers. I mean, you can't do that in football. So they don't have the flexibility of of, of the other sports, but they have some. 
So I think, uh, you know, you know, erring on the side of caution is something the NFL has to do and they are doing. Oh, yeah, no, and I think that uh, that was the wise way to do it. Uh, you know, now they just have to figure out, because I'm, I'm thinking right now, if you're the Titans, and again, your first-round pick has not played a down this year because he's been in COVID, so you have another practice squad guy that has been uh, testing positive, and he hasn't been cleared yet. I think what you got to do is that you got to create the bubble and try to say, listen, guys, I know you have family, you want to be with them, but, you know, we got to salvage this season. And, and so at least for the temporary basis, we're all staying in a hotel. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. That's exactly what they got to do. And, and, um, and again, get, make sure the message gets out to everyone else that, you know, we can't fool around here. We, we've got to, we got to keep this going. And, and, uh, um, I've got confidence they'll be able to do it. Yeah. And that's our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Dave, enjoy the baseball today. And a foot, well, I don't know if you can enjoy the football tonight. It's Denver and the Jets, so it's like... Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> my, my guess is your chances of watching that are not good, and probably wisely so, because it's going to be a bad game. But uh, it's always great to be with our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Talk to you tomorrow, John. Okay, and of course, we'll be back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.